think a lot of times in my life, I just kind of overlook that. Like the spirit of the living God is in me. And he's the hope of the glory, the Corvallis, to your roommates and your dorms, to, to the entire city, to, to dark places all around the world. And how often I, I forget that or maybe even harbor that in, in myself as, as Davy just prayed. Like we, sometimes we focus on ourselves. And the Lord has us and he desires that we would proclaim this hope. Um, so I'm going to pray for us this morning and kind of dive into the scripture here. Because I know you guys are nervous. I always joke. I'm nervous, really. Um, God, we just thank you. God, that we can come before you this morning. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the scripture. Father, I thank you that you have lavished us with grace and mercy. And Jesus, I just pray in this very moment, God, that, that we, and a lot of verses here, but God, that we could just fix our eyes on you. God, that we could proclaim the goodness of our Father in heaven. Lord, that we could just stir one another up just through these scriptures that Paul had written. Lord, just that, that we can see the bigness of you and let that ignite in our hearts this morning, Jesus. Father, let us be changed. Let us be challenged. Let, let something happen inside of me this morning, God, that, that I don't leave here with head knowledge, but I leave here motivated in my heart because you are the great king of everything. God, you're the center of our lives. You hold it all together. You're supreme. You're mighty. And your name is being proclaimed throughout this entire world. And you're patiently waiting for your great, glorious return because you desire more hearts of men and women to come to you. You're patient and kind. And I thank you for being patient and kind in my life and all my stubbornness and all my rebellion. And, Lord, that you brought us all to this very moment, this day, in this majestic theater, God, to proclaim your majesty. God, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, we're going to be in Colossians 1. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. Um, but also, I was just think back here thinking as we're singing the king of glory. And I just want to say that today, I, my, my heart, my aim is to fix our eyes on Jesus. My, my heart, my aim is to, to kind of stir us up, as they say in Hebrews. Stir one another up. That, that we could, like, motivate our hearts, that we could realign our hearts and our minds on Jesus and his greatness. And this morning, this morning we kind of, it concludes, he speaks in chapter 1 three times on the word hope. It says the hope in heaven, the hope of the gospel, and the hope of glory. And I want to remind you and myself this morning how powerful hope is. When you have hope in your life, life is good no matter your circumstances. When you're going through struggle, death, cancer, pain, but you have that hope of Jesus, you have something hopeful, deeper, that you can keep pressing into, that you have scriptures, that you have community, that you have churches, you have something that's rich as the gospel describes it. That you have this great hope, an eternal life, you have hope in the fact that you're forgiven, that, that we see in the scriptures here that you're redeemed, that you're reconciled, that, that you've been bought by the precious blood of the cross, of Jesus. You and I have hope. And I know in my life, I'm often, even in this week, I am so convicted at the fact that I like harbor this hope, that I, that I don't run out and I proclaim it boldly as I should. 
Maybe I miss opportunities. Maybe I don't pray for that enough. Maybe God's just in his timing. He, he's working it out, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out in his timing. But I want to at least be proactive in proclaiming this great hope. Hope is powerful. In the darkest of nations, in the darkest of churches that are meeting and hiding in secret, in the hospitals that are in Corvallis, and this trafficking, and, and just anything that you can think of that is completely dark. Inside there, there is a hope and there is a light. And you and I proclaim that hope. We are the vessels of the hope of Jesus. And that is powerful. I don't know if you've ever been hopeless. And at the end of the sermon, I kind of want to just remind us of that. I'm going to leave us with hope. But, but if you forget how hopeless you once were, then you don't, really don't care about sharing the hope. If you don't really remember that dark moment in your life where you really struggled, where I was empty, I was chasing after things of this world personally before the age of 24, pursuing my own life, pursuing whatever I wanted to do. And at the end of the day, it would have to be the next thrill or the next pleasure because I was empty and I was empty and I was empty and I was dark, desperate, and depressed. I had questions. I'd seen things growing up that I just wondered about in this fallenness of the world. I didn't have the answers. I didn't, I didn't have Jesus. I didn't have the scriptures to, to kind of guide me in that. I hadn't given my life to Jesus. But I have to remember in that moment when hope came kicking in the door, when Jesus broke through the darkness in my life, redeemed my heart, and I was so excited. I was so like, man, I've been redeemed. I, this, this, this thing is real. This thing being Jesus and the cross and, and my whole life and my outlook became different over time and, and I wanted to share it with all my friends who were living the same lifestyle as I was living. So sometimes we need to go back to where we once were in order to be inspired to, to share that hope with your neighbors, with your coworkers. Maybe you need to go overseas where there is darkness Maybe you need to walk into the slums of certain cities and, and be in cities of half millions of people where there are only a handful of believers and you're exposed to the darkness and you're reminded in that exposure how great the light is in you. And in this letter to Colossal, which was in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, Paul had actually, he was in prison. He never visited these people yet. He'd hoped to be there. And he was just simply writing them a letter, and this is three chapters. You could read it this week. You could get the great backstories by, by researching things online, so we, we don't have time for that this morning, or the Gospel Project. Just look at the video of it. It's eight, nine minutes long. It'll give you kind of a good overview, and then dive into three chapters, and man, it'll be a great little devotional for you for tomorrow, for today. But Paul was writing this to the church, and I found it so encouraging. I don't know if you guys like to get mail. Raise your hand. This is interactive, like, like real mail, like not text mail, not, not like a long letter and a text message, that's probably the worst. Email letters are okay, text message, don't do that. But if you get like a letter in the mail, I've always enjoyed it. In fact, I worked at FedEx for two years. I love delivering the mail. Like people were excited, especially like the FedEx guy, they're like, whoa, the FedEx guy's here, he left me a package. People were really excited to see me all the time. I loved it. And I love receiving mail, and I love receiving mail ever since I moved to Oregon even more, because I'm 2,000 miles away from a lot of our friends and family and our sending church, and 
Um, man, I just, I literally go to the mailbox, and I'm really depressed when I don't get mail. I'm, this is no lie. Like, if I just get junk mail, it's a bad day. So sometimes I send my kids to go get the mail so I don't have to, like, deal with that emotionally. <laughs> and so it, I enjoy getting mail, so therefore I enjoy sending out mail. And I like to send out mail in weird envelopes and stick things in there, pictures and glitter and different things. So maybe you get a letter from me someday. But this is a letter. This is an amazing, <laughs> absolutely mind-blowing letter that he's sending to the church to, to encourage them. And I just, we're just going to kind of go through here. Again, I'm just going to stir you up at the amazing scriptures here. And we're going to start in verse 3. Well, let's start in verse 1. Why not? It's only two extra verses. We've got a little time. And I forgot to set my clock, so if I go too long, sorry. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ of Colossal, grace to you and peace from God our Father. The letter gets good, guys. Hold on. So imagine you're going to the mailbox. I know they didn't have a mailbox. It was an open letter. But this starts off from some guy in prison. So you got to remember this. This guy is in prison. He's writing you. He's writing you to encourage you, to challenge you, to remain faithful, to, to steer away from false teachings. But he's mainly writing you to encourage you. And he's like in chains. So your friend's in jail, and he's about to send you an encouraging letter. And it starts off this way. It says, we... Always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. And since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth and in the gospel. So I just want this to sink in for a second as we read this. Because he says so in verse 24. He says, I, I'm, I'm, I consider my suffering for Christ, worth it. But he's in jail and he's writing this church. And he says, we always thank God for you. So imagine you're going to your mailbox and I want to look at it as a church, as your community group, as your, as your friends, as a body of believers. Whether you write somebody a letter or like, man, do you send them this text? You can text them this. But like, man, I, man I've been thinking of you all day. I've been thinking of you all this week. And every time I think of you, I, I, I praise God for you. Like, shouldn't that uplift your spirit? You're like, yeah, all right. Because of Jesus. But how often do we encourage one another in such a great way, in such a sincere way, and in, in a way, even in our suffering, how much more weight that carries? Somebody in the hospital or somebody suffering overseas or they're just in a dark place, but they're going to send you the encouraging email like, man, keep it up. Way to go. Man, I thank God for you today. I thank God for what you've done in our lives. I thank God for what you're aiming to do in the city. I thank God for what you're doing and where God is leading you. I thank you that you're just following the will of God. I thank you for being obedient to Jesus. I thank you, man, just way to lay down your life, way to quit your job and go overseas, way to go back to school and follow God what he wants you to do. Encourage one another, stir one another up because of the hope that is laid for you in heaven. And it gets better, guys. Verse 6, which has come to you as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing as it also is among you. Since the day you've heard it and understood the grace of God and the truth, just as you've learned it from Ephraim, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. 
So Ephesus is going back and forth. He's a missionary. He's serving God. He's serving the church. And Paul receives this great word. And he's encouraging them that, man, I've, I've heard about your fruitful labor since the day you've heard it, since you've, since you've heard the truth. That it's not only in colossal, it's not the, the church is growing, this fruit is bearing more and more fruit, but it's in, the, it's in the entire world, it's going out. And how encouraging is that to Paul, who's in prison, who once persecuted people by the name of Saul, he persecuted the church. Now he's Paul and he's encouraging the church. And there's a lot of us in this room and hopefully a lot of you will be doing discipling. Hopefully you're being discipled. And the opposite is true. I'll go there first. We've been doing ministry for a long time. And it is so disheartening. It's so discouraging. When people that, that you've poured into, people that you've like done mission with, that you've done life with, that they've experienced some of the same things that you've experienced, and they choose to turn away from the faith. It's really disheartening as a brother and sister in Christ to, to, to watch that. It's also sobering to know that that could be you or I, but by the grace of God. But in this moment, it's a super encouraging letter that Paul's like, man, this fruit is abounding. And the opposite is just as true because, man, I've, we've been able to be blessed. We've been poured into by great people in our lives. We've been loved on, and we've been able to love on other college students. And through our years in college ministry, we've been able to love on people through mission and expose them to, to the global kingdom of God. And I've seen some of those people completely do a 180 in their lives, and they leave whatever they got. They head in a completely different direction for the kingdom of God, and they're still doing it to this day. They're serving the least of these. They're serving the brokenness. They're proclaiming the gospel in unreached places. And man, that stirs my heart, not because of what we did, but we just got to play a part in that. And so that's what Paul is writing from prison. I mean, how, man, he's in prison. We read some of the other letters. They're not so great. And this one, he's like, man, praise God for you. You're bounding in the knowledge of God. You're bounding in the fruit of him. You're loving one another. It gets better. Verse 9. And so from this day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of lights. So not only is Paul in the beginning of this, he's thanking God, he's praising God for them in this letter that you received, you're pretending you're a colossal, but then he goes on to say this powerful prayer for them. And he, he prays for them without ceasing. And I don't want you to miss this. As brothers and sisters in Christ, 
We are to stir one another up. We are to encourage one another. And there's an application here that the fact that, that Paul is praying for them without ceasing, that they would be filled with the power of God, strengthened according to his glorious might, that they may be able to endure, that they may be able to have patience with joy, not just patience, but with joy. And I look back at my life apart from my family, like how many people do I really pray for without ceasing? I know I want that in my life. But shame on me, shame on Jeremy, if, if I like, every time I'm like, man, I got some prayer requests, y'all. Y'all want to hear my prayer request? But then I never lift up anybody else. But it's a self-centered gospel at that point. But Paul is like ceaselessly praying for them. And you and I can only do this by the Spirit of God. Christ in you. We can only do that by the Spirit of God inside of us. Our flesh is too weak. We're too easily distracted. We're too easily worried. We're too easily anxious. And just to be practical, in my life, this is how it played out 10 years ago. I went to a particular nation, and I'll show you a picture of a guy here in a little bit at the end of the service. But, like, man, I was forever wrecked in this nation. I was forever changed. My trajectory of life, my, my plans, my, my aim for what I wanted to do in my life were all just given up to the Lord. But I left that particular trip with one of my friends talking about the hope of the glory of the gospel of Jesus, and we were driving out. I may have shared this here, but we were driving out of this particular city, and my friend is just weeping, talking about how there is nobody in the city that they know of that are proclaiming the gospel. And I'm talking 250,000 people, and I'm talking a triangle of people that are half a million, that there was no church in this particular area. And my brother was brokenhearted, and his weeping just wrecked my own heart, that nobody was there to proclaim the gospel. And I left that particular trip, and as we've done here, you have people come up, and they share about their trip, and we had, like, there was 13 of us. We were, it was too big of a group in this particular nation, but it was fun. But there was 13 of us sitting up there, and everybody's sharing, and this didn't, I didn't even plan what I was going to say. You should do that, probably. And they were like, so what do you feel like? And I was like, how did this trip make you feel, or something? I don't remember the question in front of the huge church. And I was like, man, I just, I feel like I'm supposed to be a cheerleader. Hoorah for this nation, for these people. But straight up, that's what I still want to be to this day. I'm the biggest fan of this nation. I pray for that nation almost every day. I pray for these people in this church. I got, like, rugs from this place. I got T-shirts from this place. I wear shoes that I wore in that place. Just so I'm consciously reminded of these people that I really, truly don't want to just read about praying without ceasing. But I, I want people praying for me. I want people praying for our church. I want people praying for the branch without ceasing. I want the power of Christ within us reaching out. And we need prayer. I want it. So therefore, I should commit to it to other people. Man, I'm a fan. And when I read these epistles and he's like, man, I hope to see you. I'm that way in this particular nation. I'm like, man, I hope I can come see you. I hope I can bring all eight of my family and we can just show up at your place and crash into those two bedrooms. Man, and I want to see the gospel flourish there for them and their sake. And for the hearts of these people. I haven't heard about Jesus. And my friends have laid down their lives 10 years ago from that trip on. They've moved their lives there. 
because they contain Christ in them, the hope of glory, and they want to pass that on to these people. And they're my heroes. So you see, I just, I just wanted to be practical how that looks in my life. I don't know how it looks in your life. Maybe it's praying for one of your family members to come to Christ. I mean, pray without ceasing relentlessness. And that takes moving the distractions of this world out of our lives. It takes moving Netflix or team sports or some, whatever it is. These things aren't inherently evil, but they inherently distract us from the gospel and proclaiming it. They distract us. And Paul is praying this amazing prayer. I would love to get a letter that says, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the power according to his glorious might. And then he reminds them, he transitions here from thanking God and praying for them without ceasing. He transitions to the supremacy of God and Christ. The letter gets better. So he reminds them that you've been qualified because of the Father who sent Jesus. Now you are inheritance of the saints of light. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain. That means he has like transferred you. He has delivered you. If you're a believer in here today that you've accepted Jesus and what he's done on the cross for you, you have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness the sins of our lives. Man, that's the hope of the glory. There's people all around us living in shame of their sin. There's people in this room who have been forgiven, and you are in Christ Jesus, and you are living in shame, and the evil one is pointing their finger, they're accusing you, but you have been delivered from your sins by repentance because of the blood of Jesus. We have redemption. It's going to go on there in a minute, but he talks about we're holy. Because of Christ, he sees us as holy. So I imagine Paul is kind of like, well, if you just forgot, let me take a little moment to remind you the supremacy. It says the, the premises of, of Christ here. He is in the large, he is uh, not in the large. The Bible is still shaking here. It's really tiny. He is in the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, all things. The grains of the sand at the beach, to the mountaintops, to the grass, to you, to the whales, to the insects. I mean, we could just go down the list. But it's easy just to be like, yeah, he made everything. No, he made everything. He made all things. All things, big and small, cells inside your body, the blood that flows through your body, the wind that blows through the air, the rain that falls down, the breath in our lungs. He has made all of these things. He has created them. And then it blows my mind to say the visible and the invisible, just to be clear, just in case you didn't get that, he made everything. Even the things you can't see, he is God of those whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So he's in charge of every kingdom, every nation, every, every president, every king, every dictator. He has set these things up. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the center. He is the glue 
It's all held by him. Paul goes on, and he's the head of the body, the church. Praise the Lord. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. Praise the Lord. He has defeated the grave. He's defeated death. And then everything in him might be preeminent. That's supreme. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Amen. I know it's real reserved here. When I first became a believer, we went to a church that was pretty lively. This is a side note. This is in my notes. But like, I just always thought it was good because I'm not saying that you guys should do this. And I know that your hearts are leaping inside of us. But, but when we read things and when we worship God and when we feel the spirit of the Lord moving in us, like, at least be right on inside your heart. But this pastor, this particular pastor would be like, y'all don't hear me. You know, and so then he'd like look at the choir and he'd be like, y'all don't hear me. And I'm just saying this. So like, he was like, man, this is good, great, fabulous news. And I need somebody to praise the Lord. And everybody would get really excited. And I'm not saying that, like, oh, it's an emotional stir-up, but he was, this was my first pastor. He was like, man, this is great news. This is glorious. You should be fired up. You've been transferred from darkness to light by this crazy idea that, that God made peace through the cross that was so critical and murderous and ugly and terrible, but yet he made peace through that cross because of his blood. Goes on to say, to remind them, the church, and you, just in case you were getting a big head again, let me remind you, you who once were alienated and hostile in the mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, let me read that again. Because I don't know about you, but I struggle with this. I struggle seeing myself holy. I, I, I struggle coming up here as I prepare to preach, and I've done ministry and I've preached before, but it's like, Lord, who am I? God, I know the junk in my life. I know where I've come from. I, I know what I've said years and years ago. I, I know these things. But because of that cross, because of Jesus and his sacrifice, because of his reconciling, his redeeming power, because of Jesus that is now in you, God looks at you and he says, holy, blameless, Man, above reproach. God sees Jesus. And I think we struggle with that because it's so empowering when we live that. It's empowering when we realize Christ is in us. Christ is around us. We are God's. And the enemy would love to silence you by reminding of you of Last night, last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago for me. He likes to remind you of those things. I like to call it the low light reel movie. All the things you've done. Man, the 
Jesus, when you repent, when you ask for forgiveness, when you come before him with a true heart, Lord God, this comes back to this hopelessness and this hope. Like, man, that day when I was 24, I had hope that something had to change inside of me, that, that there was a greater being, that there, God was real, and that he could change me. And he did. And now he sees me as his child, transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. He goes on to say, there's kind of a warning here, though. If indeed you continue in the faith, so there's an if there, not, if you indeed continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which you have proclaimed, so not only hearing, but that you have proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister of. Again, back to pouring into people and being poured into, there, there's a choice that you are going to encounter along the way of life. There's a very real choice even in this morning as you hear the gospel that you could leave here hard-hearted, you leave here joyous, and then the next thing happens and you forget. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 13 that Jesus talks about the soil and all the seeds being thrown out. And this is a beautiful picture, at least for the church of Colossal, like they had taken fruit. They were multiplying. They were increasing. But also in that parable of Matthew chapter 13, there's the the hard ground where it just gets swooped up and then there's the one that grows, which I feel like a lot of us get into, that the plant starts growing, the gospel's kind of growing into us, but then the pleasures of the world tend to take that away. We forget, we're forgetful people. All the more importance to stir one another up, all the importance that Paul saw here that they were being inundated with false teachings in this church and in the city and that he wanted to encourage them not to shift from the hope of the good news of Jesus Christ that they heard. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up with what is lacking in Christ's affliction. For the sake of his body, that is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. So even in the midst, again, writing this letter, while he's suffering, he's encouraging. And in the paradox of life, I often feel like in our suffering or in our discomfort or in our places that, that we just aren't familiar with, that that's where God tends to, A, grow us. But as we proclaim the gospel, it kind of carries a heavier weight I mean, if you and I, if Christians in general, I'm just being very general here, we all lived in like big houses and painted fences and dogs and cats and whatever your happy little life looks like. If, if that was what we continued in and we we're like, hey, sharing the gospel, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. It looks like prosperity. It looks like everything's good. But following Jesus is dying to yourself. It is laying down your life for your friends, for your family, it's laying down your will. It's giving God 
preference of your jobs, preference of your family size. It's, 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 it's the whole gamut. Lord, I'm yours. And so in that, Paul is in prison, but suffering's going to look different for each of us. But it carries an extra weight in the middle of that suffering, in the middle of that challenge, in the middle of that brokenness that, that you and I come alongside one another in a small group or in a church and we encourage one another and we, we stir one another up and we remind each other the supremacy and the greatness of Jesus and we remind each other of the cross and his glory and that we once were alienated, that we once were, were foreigners, that we were doing evil deeds, that, that our hearts were wicked and, and God's doing a new creation in us. And Paul goes on to say this glorious thing and this reminder that we could simply just overlook and just read on. That the mystery hidden for the ages of the generations, it's not like the mystery like hiding in the rock somewhere, like God was playing hide and seek with the Gentiles and all the nations. No, this was Jesus coming. This was the fulfillment of time. That this was the riches of his glory. That this mystery that the prophets had longed to see for, that, that from the beginning and from Genesis, Abraham and all these guys, they'd been promised this faithful promise. That, and then Jesus comes onto the scene and here's this mystery which is revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God in you by the Spirit of God. A temple. And it's powerful when we live that. When we re receive that, um, I think I struggle to receive that, live that out sometimes. And my struggle often is because I want to do it in my flesh. It's my idea, it's my plan, how to figure things out. I'm always thinking, 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 thinking. Read this, read that, read this, read that, but really just sitting. In the Lord, letting the Spirit of God move inside of me. It's a powerful thing. And to know that that hope of glory is inside of you and it comes from our lips. And these same lips, as James says, that we set fires because we say nonsensical stuff. I don't even know if that's a word. I like to make up words. Maybe it is. We say nonsense. We gossip. We laugh. We... we Delve into pleasure and sin and, and different things. And with that same tongue, we come here and we begin to praise the Lord. And that hope of glory is inside of us. And we are called in the next verse, in him we proclaim. Warning everyone, 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 everybody. And teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, verse 29, struggling with all energy, with all his energy and his powerful works within me, that with the Spirit of God, you and I can do these things. Without the Spirit of God, we might as well go to Denny's and do what we want to do. Eat, drink, be merry. And without the Spirit of God, just go live crazy out in the world. I mean, don't, don't hesitate. Just go. I mean, part of me coming to Christ Jesus was I lived that life, so therefore when I came to Christ, I was like, well, man, if I was rowdy in the world, I wouldn't be rowdy for Jesus. I don't want to be neutral. But if the Spirit of God is inside of me, 
Father, I need you. This is my prayer. Lord, I need your strength. I need your energy. I need you to empower me. God, because I got dreams. I got visions. And I hope they're your dreams. I hope they're your visions. But, but Lord, I want to see people come to faith. I mean, my biggest prayer, like, man, a revival sweeping through this town, a revival sweeping through that particular nation that I was talking about. But those things don't just happen when we sit around. There's a particular reason through here, and he's talking about knowledge, and he talks about works, kind of walking and knowing, walking and knowing. A lot of times we like to lean on whichever side we are. Like, we love to do, 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 and we don't think, 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 and that can get us in trouble. And the other side is we think, 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 and then we never do. We just talk about doing, but we think. But the Spirit of God will allow us to operate with his energy. Father, that I could run and not grow weary, that I could mount up with wings like an eagle and fly. God, that I could soar and that I could spend all my days, that I, that I could be like my 72-year-old friend who's still doing missions, who still moved into the ghetto to pour his life out for a people that he feels like he needs to reach. He didn't check out. He didn't retire. He is depending on the Spirit of God and his full energy and his full strength. Chapter 2, verse 1, for I want you to know how great of a struggle I have for you and for those of Laodicea, that's down the street from where he's talking, and for all those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom is hidden all the treasures and the wisdom and the knowledge. I say this in order that no one may be deluded you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing with you, church, rejoicing with you, colossal, even though I'm in prison, to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. Press on, church. Man, I want that in my life. I don't want to, I'm not up here just preaching that. I long for that, and I love the fact that when Davey asked me six weeks ago, I was like, yeah, Colossians 1, whatever. And so, like, man, but this has stirred me up, and, and my prayer this morning, my prayer this weekend is not only to proclaim this and stir you guys up, but, but Lord, ignite me again. Father, forgive me my anxiousness and my fear to, to do what you've called me to do. Forgive me for worrying about finances and different things. But God, that you are going to provide, that you are the king of kings, and that you have the hope of the glory of Christ in me, and my neighbors do not know about that hope. Give me the boldness and the opportunity, God. Let them come over for dinner. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but the hope of glory is inside of you because of the cross, Jesus. And the enemy would love to snuff it out with your busyness and your books and your work and your plans. And meanwhile, people are passing away and people are trying to deal with life without this hope. I kind of said in the beginning, like, there's hope and, like, and God redeemed me. And, and then there's hopelessness, which is despair and depression. And I think when you're in hopelessness, I'd argue this, that hopelessness is better than a false hope. Because when you're hopeless and the light comes shining in, man, you know it. When you're struggling and you're just hooked on drugs or you're hooked in pleasure or, man, you're doing whatever it is and the light comes in and sets you free, you are like, yes. But all around us is a false hope as well. Just like they were proclaiming in Colossal, it's still happening in Corvallis. There's a false hope. People are putting their hope in money and degrees and jobs or their kids or their spouses or, or a whole gamut of things that you and I can put our hope into. 
But our real hope is in Jesus. He's our only hope. He's the one that holds it all together and made it all for him, by him, through him. And we are here today because of him, and we praise him, the King of kings. And so I, I was convicted this week. Lord, if I'm missing it, if I'm missing these opportunities when people are buying tater tots and pork sandwiches from me or whatever, like, let me just burn the tots and share the gospel somehow. <laughs> I know it sounds silly. It's crazy. Man, I, but I, I, my neighbors, like, they're written on my poster in my little closet. Like, I pray for them. I literally try to pray for them every day. And I trust if I don't get to share the gospel with them, that somebody else is going to get to share the gospel with them. And, that, man, God, God wants their hearts. God longs for their hearts to turn to him. Some of our neighbors share things that they're struggling with. And, man, it's, it's just Jesus. Jesus is that hope. Jesus What's going to help you? The gospel, the word. It's not a, a fix-it problem, but it helps us to hope in the middle of suffering because Christ suffered for us, that we could comfort others in their suffering. It's a hope, as Romans 5 says, that doesn't disappoint. Corinthians chapter 13, it's a love and a hope that never fails. Man, it's powerful. The hope in you is powerful because the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. And Acts it talks about that. It comes in in chapter 1, and it's like this dynamite, man. It's this dynamite power that they were waiting for this Holy Spirit to come in. And you and I have this power whether we want to use it, tap into it, ignore it. It's up to us to stir one another up. I have a picture of my hero from 10 years ago. I think it's here. Crying moment. Tears went away. I fought him off. I almost said his name. I can't say his name because it's recorded. So that's my friend. Um, when I became a believer a long time ago, 2001, I was 24. We went to another particular church for three years. We transferred to another church, and he was one of our, he was in our small group, our community group, and we went with him, and I remember they were sitting around the group that night, and they were like, hey, we're going to this particular nation. I feel like the Lord's called us there. I went on that trip with 13 of us there right before they moved, and so he's been there for 10 years. 250,000 people in this one particular city. This baptism is from this year. This is the only baptism that I'm aware of in 10 years. Man, he didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. Man, he left his degree, moved over to a nation so him and his wife and his family could share the gospel, that they could share this hope of glory that's inside of us because I was on that particular trip and they were like, man, these people don't have hope. They're not, they're not, they don't even have access to the gospel. At least in some places of the states, you have access to it. You can go online, you can disregard it, you can do whatever you want, but these people don't even have access to it. And I just remember praying this year before this happens. I was like, I almost said his name again. I was like, man, I'm just praying. Like, this is like the most fruitful year that you guys have ever had. 100% increase. You know, like, man, but it's just the beginning. Like, things take time. We're such a, a generation, and I'm kind of in between the generations, but, man, we're so instantaneous. If it doesn't happen, and I'm guilty, man. I'm like, 
I want to see a church plan. If it doesn't happen by next year, I'm done. I'm out of here. Like, whatever. That's stupid, Jeremy. And so, like, man, that, that guy, and for him to come to faith, he's, like, ostracized from his family. There's, like, legit persecution going on here. This isn't just, like, yeah, I made a decision. This is, like, yeah, I made a decision. I'm going public. That's why I think there's others there. See, this is the first public one, I should say. He went and told his family. He went and told everybody. My friend, my hero, <laughs> that I long to see, laid it down. Laid it down. Money and all. To share the hope of the gospel inside of us. Man. We all, like, started living crazy. I don't know what happened. Crazy things will happen. So, let me not uh, conclude this. Kind of got off track. I'm going to pray for us. And I, I'm going to pray a couple things. One, I mean, if you're looking, coming here today and, like, I want to make sure I, like, let you know about Jesus. I think I've been talking about him a little bit. Talked about the cross. Talked about his power. And, and so I think some of the application for us in here as believers is, is kind of just like a check. Like, where are we at? Where are you at in your heart? Like, this week, like, man, what's going on with me? Like, am I into the pleasures of the world? Or, man, am I seeking God? Am I, like utilizing the spirit of God that's inside of me? Or am I just like realizing like, yeah, he's God. I recognize he's powerful. There's a difference. You realize, you recognize, and then you allow yourself to be utilized by the Lord. Things happen. So are you allowing that to happen in your life? Are you, are you <laughs> living the life for Jesus? Proclaiming him like you say you're on his side, his team. He lives inside of you. So maybe that's your prayer today. It's like, Lord, just God, help, like, help me to see your supremacy this week, God. Help me to be reminded that the spirit of you, the living God, the creator of all things, the heavens and earth and everything invisible and visible, lives inside of me. God, help me to see that. Maybe you're here today and you've never, like, I mean, today is the day. Like, today is the day of salvation. Like, you showed up today and you don't know Jesus. Like, this is salvation. Like, Jesus is here. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants you. He loves you. Like, he, he, he wants to help you from that shame and that bondage and that darkness inside of your life. He wants to set you free. He came to set the captives free. He didn't come for the well. He came for the sick. That's me. I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. That may be you here today. And he came for you. And it's simple, like crying out to Jesus, like, Father, forgive me of my sins, Lord. Create in me a new heart, God. Restore me. Redeem me. And man, you are made whole today. I know it may sound simple. That was my prayer in a cow field. I was like, Lord, I need you. I'm messed up. I didn't have any sophistication words or anything. Like, I didn't, I didn't have a church like this. I just, like, read the Bible and showed up in the cow field and met Jesus. And he was real, and he changed me. The power of the cross, the power of Jesus. And so I plead with you today. Like, 
we had an altar call. This is the altar call. This is the day that you can change your life. You can go home. You could do it right here. You could say, Jesus, I want to be yours. And maybe you're a believer and you just want to set a different trajectory in your life and you want to be obedient to him and lay down your will and set aside your plans. Then today is the day for that as well. So that's my prayer. That's my prayer for myself. I'm not just preaching it. I don't want to just be an advocate for Jesus. I want to be a witness, living my life and laying it down. I want to proclaim it with my walk as well as my words. And Father, I need, we need your spirit to do that. Let's pray. Father, you are mighty, you are powerful, God. You are king of kings and Lord of lords. You defeated death. You disarmed the principalities, as the book talks about in the next chapter here, God, that you destroyed those things. You're the firstborn of the dead. You defeated the grave. You made peace through the cross of Jesus. And Father, I just pray that you would empower us through your spirit, those that are in here today that, that we believe in you, God, that we seek you. Our, our flesh is weak. God, our spirit, spirit is so willing. I feel like that a lot of times in this room. Our spirits are willing. We're like, yes, Jesus, I want to, but our flesh is weak. And Father, I just pray that you continue to uproot that flesh in our lives and set us free. God, let us be filled with your dynamite power and your spirit to proclaim the gospel, to teach to admonish, God, your glory. Help us, Lord, this week to find one person. God, I pray those in this room that are actually just praying that and that are willing to do that, Lord, that we would be able to proclaim the gospel to somebody you're drawing this week, God. Father, that we can share the hope and testify of what you've done in our lives. And God, I praise you for anyone in this room today, God. I thank you. God, if you are surrendering your life to Jesus, you're laying it down. You're repenting of your sins and starting anew. You are alive in Christ Jesus, praise God. You are a new creation. And we just thank you for that, God. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for using a broken vessel like me and all of us in this room, God our cracks and our dents and our wackiness that you've allowed us to go and proclaim the good news of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think we're going to sing.